Hey, it's V, back from square one. Regulated, life is still upside down. And as I've been experimenting through conventional and unconventional mental health, I'm reporting back. This time, with good news. Ready to rock, drop, and roll, <laughs> so don't get burnt. The divorce, the jail, the affairs, and my attempt to swing, I mean sing. Our lives will always be on fire, so why not raise the real rays and break the matrix? Maybe this is how it starts, as we unfuck ourselves. Let's find a way out. They don't care about you, so stop giving a fuck about them. The content of this podcast is for general purposes only, and it's not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any condition or disease, or substitute for medical advice. Always seek the advice of your physician, mental health professional, or any other qualified medical health provider with any questions you may have regarding your medical condition or treatment before starting or discontinuing treatment. If you or someone you know is experiencing suicidal thoughts or a crisis, please reach out immediately to the Suicide Prevention Line at 800-273-8255. Well, my name is Clint Callahan. I'm a social worker and therapist and life coach. I've been doing that now for about 23 years. When I was born, I weighed one pound, 15 ounces. At my lowest weight, I got down to about one pound, I think nine ounces. And that actually was a very interesting part because I didn't find out until about three years ago that that really affected the way that I interacted with people for pretty much my entire life. Because back then, 47 years ago, They didn't know that you could still hold a premature baby. You could still do all those different things. And so I spent the first, I think about four months of my life in an incubator where I was only really occasionally touched by doctors and usually because of surgery, procedures, drawing blood, those kind of things. And my mom had a, had a a journal that she kept. And she, one of the things that really stuck out was she said in that journal that it was that it was hard for her because whenever she tried to put her hand in there to touch me, I would flinch away like I was going to be hurt. And so I didn't really know that that was something that would affect me for the rest of my life, but it actually did. And it wasn't until about four years ago when I was uh, about two and a half years ago, three years ago, when I was going through EMDR training, which is a type of uh, therapy modality that I, that, that kind of came up because I'd always had trouble with people, um, like touching me. I didn't like it unless I initiated it because it was a safety thing. And now I know where that's from. And so I went through EMDR and that helped to break that link between the, what happened when I was a baby to now 47 years later, which is pretty surprising, right? That something from when you were a baby can actually change and shift and follow you throughout your whole life. And you have no idea until all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, I can't believe that. EMDR, um, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing, is specifically designed to help people work through trauma by helping them put them in a, in a safe state, not only in their mind, but also in their body, so that when they go through the process, it allows them to break out of, to take that trauma and break it. Basically, it's like, think of trauma as like links in a chain, and so because I was a baby, I couldn't remember, that, you know, oh, well, that's what happened. So what I what actually came through is because my youngest is a super hugger and loves being, loves to touch and all that kind of stuff. So that was really, it's been, that was a struggle for me for a long time. And one day he jumped up behind me and grabbed me behind the couch just to tell me they loved me. I, I lost it. And it was, 
you know, I, I got freaked out and I yelled and I felt like completely activated in the fight or flight response. And so what happened when it did is it, you broke that first link because as I went through the process, the last thing that my brain was telling me as I was going through breaking that process was this is that it's okay. The doctors weren't trying to hurt me. They were trying to save my life. And so that's kind of where my story began was my whole life. I was told that I'm one in a billion, that I'm lucky to be alive because I was bullied a lot as a kid by people that I thought were my friends. And some of them still are my really good friends today because of life and circumstances. But it's one of those things that that bullying really had a profound effect on the way that I viewed myself. I viewed other people, the ability to trust other people and my ability to just believe in myself. So I suffered from depression, anxiety, imposter syndrome, and basically feeling like I had to be somebody else for most of my life. It didn't happen until about when I was about 38 that I finally was able to go through lots of therapy, being a therapist, going through therapy, and create. And I began to create and figure out this process, which I call my 1% per day transformational system, which is now what I've been really how I've been doing therapy with people for the last couple of years and what I've used myself to kind of break out of that is just teaching myself that it's okay, that you are enough, that there is no such thing as the answer, that everybody has to come to the answer themselves. But there are ways that you can find the answer easier by going you and using specific psychological techniques and tools to delve inside yourself and figure out how to make that happen for yourself. It haunted me as an adult because it gave me a massive case of imposter syndrome and depression and anxiety and just fear of public speaking, fear of what other people are thinking about me, just a lot of fear. Like I was never going to be good enough. There's no way that why should anybody listen to me? Who am I to tell people what to do? I don't, I mean, you know, I'm still trying to figure it out myself. So who am I to tell you how to live your life? But that's also why that came back to like about as I've been doing, I've been practicing now as a social worker and therapist for 23 years and as a life coach for the last, for, you know, just recently. But what I've really learned is that I'm not telling people what to do. I'm giving them options and choices and different ways to look at things and to examine their life and to figure out the negative thoughts, the maladaptive coping strategies, the all the different things that haunt us and chase us, the stories that we tell ourselves, because our brain is amazing. It can tell us the most amazing and profound things, and yet it can also, pardon my language, but crap all over us all the time, right? All the time. And that's the hard thing. So it's learning how to recognize the negative thought process, the negative story. But in 2005, my mom committed suicide because she had a really bad um, autoimmune disorder that ended up liquefying all of her joints. For about two and a half years, she fought it, and she ended up eventually deciding she couldn't stand being in pain 24-7, 365. And so although I understand it and I recognize it, I still don't condone it. I've come to peace with it, but it's still one of the hardest things that ever happened in my life. And then so from there... I went into real estate for a while and then 2008 happened. And so that completely then fell, everything, everything fell apart. And so my life became everything I didn't want it to be. 
we ended up having, my wife and I ended up having to move in with her in-laws, with my in-laws, her parents, with our newborn, with our newborn kid. And that was like one of the most humbling moments in my life. So I went back into therapy and back into social work and it was working for an insurance company, which was, which is not about touchy feely stuff. It's about processing claims. It's about doing those things. And so from that, I decided I had to figure out a way out of it because I was just, I was burned out. I was exhausted. I was still grieving. I was sad. I was all the things, right, that you would expect someone to be going through two major traumas in such a short period of time. And so I started making little changes every day. I started figuring out, okay, where are the pieces and the parts that I'm missing? That I'm not, how am I not connecting with my family? How am I looking at myself? What is the story I'm telling myself? What are the things that I've been doing every day to push myself down and to hold myself back instead of give myself, you know, pep talks and confidence and all the things that you can do it. Cause I didn't feel that way. I felt like, no, I can't, this is my life. Now I'm stuck in this. And that's the thing about human beings is we are pre-programmed for negativity. Thanks to 185,000 plus years of survival because survival for human beings is be afraid that's the issue. And so that often means negativity. So that's why if I asked you right now, hey, tell me five positive things about yourself, you would probably struggle. If I said, tell me five negative things about yourself, you'd be like, bam, 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 right off, right? No problem. And so that's a big piece of what I'm trying to teach people through this program is if you just slow down and you take a breath and you give yourself 15 minutes a day to change the way you think, to change how you're feeling, to challenge the story that you're talking to yourself, to really take a step back and look at and say, is this real? You most often, 98% of the time, find out that it's not. Because the secret I've learned throughout my entire life is a really, is a really simple one. We are all making this up as we go along. We are all making it up and we just have to have compassion for ourselves because the big thing I tell people that I really want people to know is if you wouldn't say it to somebody that you love out loud, don't say it to yourself. And that's the hardest thing to do because you would never say the things that you say to you, to someone that you love. Yeah. And, and what that is, is it's accountability. Everybody needs to feel accountable. Everybody needs someone to be accountable to. And that's the thing, right? That's one of the reasons why life coaching, personal trainers, by all these different things. It's like, oh, really, you need all those other people in your life? And it's like, well, no, but yes, you do. Because we are very good at talking ourselves out of things. The wonderful, crazy thing that is this wonderful little three and a half pound blob inside of our skull hates change, hates it with a passion, but yet it's the only thing that's constant, but it hates change. So when it hates change, it will give you every excuse in the book. Oh, I'm too tired. Oh, it's raining outside. Or, oh, oh yeah, you know, I could go, but now I really don't want to. And then after a while, you just stop even making excuses. You're just like, I'm not going to do it. I, I just don't want to. So one of the ways that I teach people to do goal setting, which is part of the course that I've been, that I created, is the be, do, have model of goal setting while building in failure. So the be, do, have model of goal setting is the first thing you have to figure out is who do you want to be? Because if you know who you want to be, 
that will then create internal motivation to get you to move, continue to move forward with the goal planning. Then you figure out, okay, if I want to be this, what do I need to do to be this? Okay, if I want to be physically fit, to use the gym example, well, then I need to be somebody that thinks about what they eat, that thinks about how much they exercise, that thinks about how much TV I'm watching, that thinks about all these different things. And then I need to figure out the plan. Okay, now what am I going to do about it? Well, I'm going to make sure that I get up at this time. I'm going to make sure I go to the gym. I'm going to make sure I eat right. I'm going to make sure I do these things, right? And then that gets you to this thing that you want, which is that's the mountaintop goal, which is have. This is the life you want to have. You want to feel physically fit, comfortable in your own skin, confident, competent, sexy, all this stuff, right? But the problem is the way people have been trained to do goals is, okay, I need to do this stuff so I can have this stuff and then I will become this thing. But that's not how it works because just look at some of the most influential people that have made it in the world, how successful they seem, right? They're super successful. They have all the money, all the stuff you could possibly want. But then you look at their personal lives and it's like a bomb went off. It's a train wreck. But during the journey, they weren't also focusing on being the kind of person that deserves all of that stuff. And that's one of the reasons why the be do have model of goal setting is so important because it gives you the real foundation for getting to the top of the mountain instead of being stuck wherever you get stuck on the side. Anybody can create a mountaintop goal. Anybody can say, I want to make a million dollars. Anybody can say that. But it's those kind of things that as you continue to go through this stuff, you will find that you will backslide, you will move forward. But that's why creating, when you create goals, building in failure as part of the goal will make the goal more successful. Because then if you mess up, it's just part of the goal. And that is one of the most important lessons that I've learned. Is everybody needs that person to hold them accountable. And sometimes you don't have that in your life. So you have to hire that person to be accountable. And that's part of what my job is as a therapist, as a life coach, is to be the person that you can be accountable to, where I don't have any judgment on whether or not you did or didn't do anything. Because my job is to say, okay, let's get you back doing it again. How can we do that? Yeah. And by having somebody that is holding you accountable, it then increases the odds of you reaching that goal by a crazy factor of percentages. I don't remember what is at the top of my head, but I know it's a lot. It is a big chance to allow yourself to have that someone that's got your back and has nothing but your best interest at heart. I have a website, uh, smallchangesbigimpact.net backslash info that has a link to a 20-minute training on burnout, or you can set, out, set up a call with me for a half hour just to have a conversation. Um, you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Small Changes Big Impact, the number four, and the letter U. And that's where you can find me on both Facebook and Instagram. But I just want everyone to know that it's all about there is hope. You can change. It doesn't take a lot of effort to change. It just takes consistency. That's it, folks. Maybe this is how it starts for you, I, and anyone else in our journey. Hope you like this content. Please follow, download, and share. Hope you had a great one. See you next time.